It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you if you left a review. Thank you if you became a patron of the program. I appreciate that as well. Patrons such as Eric and Easy and that's the name. It's Easy and Mary and Tavis and LL and Kristen and Lori. I appreciate all y'all's support. Could not do the program without you. If you'd like to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com, look for my name, or you can go to thepetecalendarshow.com, and I've got all of the links there. I also have links to the marketplace, so if you are looking for local businesses that uh, you know support this show and listen to the show and like the show and they're like you, uh, you can go to thepetecalendarshow.com and you can go to the marketplace and you can then see uh, some of those local businesses. For example, Mattress Man is one of the local businesses. They're in the marketplace as well at thepetecalendarshow.com. And um, I bought a mattress from Mattress Man years ago. Christy and I, it's a, a memory foam king size mattress and we love it. And uh, so when uh, I was uh, at the radio station and uh, Mattress Man, uh, the owner, Chuck said he wanted, uh, you know, to get on the program. He loves the show and he wants to advertise and uh, took a while because I was full and I didn't have any room to do more uh, endorsements. And uh, so eventually when we finally had an opening, uh, we got him on the air and uh, he's been with me ever since. And when I came over here to do the podcast and uh, he's been supportive of that as well. And so that's the kind of guy he is. These are the Chuck and the folks at Mattress Man, these are the kinds of people who, uh, when charities need beds, they donate beds to the to the local charities. In and around the Asheville area, if you are looking to buy a bed, go to Mattress Man. Uh, and I know we're, not, we're still under the you know stay-at-home orders, uh, and uh, they all know that at Mattress Man as well. That's why they set up their whole e-commerce site. They kind of you know overhauled it, and um, and now you can get anything that they've got in inventory. You can see it in stock. At their website, mattressmanstores.com, they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. So if you get the mattress and you don't like the mattress for some reason, you can uh, uh, give it back, exchange it for um, for you know the 120-day uh, guarantee period. And uh, if you're local, they've got free white glove delivery local. Now they do ship nationwide. So if you are not in the Asheville area, uh, where they've got you know four stores in Asheville, Art, and Hendersonville. But if you're not in the Asheville area and you want to get a mattress from them, I appreciate that. They appreciate that, especially right now. Like, honestly, if you were thinking about buying a mattress, um, you know, these are local businesses and uh, any amount of help that you can give them, any amount of uh, business you can give them right now would be very much appreciated. It could be the difference between, you know, them staying in business and not, right? That's that's what all of this is is about right now trying to keep as many local businesses in business as possible and that and they're great people and it's a great business so uh, if you were thinking about buying a mattress go to mattressmanstores.com and experience the difference mattressmanstores.com buy local and sleep better ordering sacrifice without providing adequate information about why you're ordering the sacrifice it will result in more people refusing to comply with your orders Right. This this idea um, 
is apparently lost on a lot of the elected officials who are issuing these orders. They say, well, I have the power, I'm the governor, I decree this, and so it is to be so. And, you know, people listen, the orders are followed by and large, and so it's very easy for a lot of these elected officials to think, well, you know what, uh, it works, see that? I just, I, I say it, I decree it, and it is so. Um, what they're missing, though, is that it only works for a limited period of time particularly if you're not giving sufficient explanations about why the orders are necessary. And the more, I guess, draconian, you can say, or the more stringent or restrictive the orders are, uh, then the more you're going to need to convince people with data and with explanations. This is why transparency in the data it's not just some, uh, as I said on Twitter yesterday, it's not some esoteric whining from the media. It's not just some you know, idea that, oh, we should be transparent because that's what we all want. And, and frankly, it makes our jobs in the media easier if government is transparent because then I can just get as much information as I want. I can do my stories eas- uh, more easily. Um But transparency and data, this is how you get the consent of the governed. And this is fundamental to any society, but particularly ours, where the the governed give the governing our consent. We say, okay, we're going to give up some limited um, uh, amounts of freedoms, basically, for security. We make that trade. It uh, It is done consensually. Because we believe uh, that as a society, we need to have government provide certain elements, or as I call it, like an umbrella of protection. Right? If everybody had to worry about putting out their own house fire, uh, then they would spend all of their time, you know, sitting out in front of their house with a fire hose and you know a sidearm, making sure nobody broke in and uh, uh, protecting themselves at all times from uh, you know investigating anything that happened to their house or their person or property, like. So we we delegate those powers to a governing authority consensually. Now, if there comes a point where that authority is abusing us, well, now you no longer have our consent. There's no longer the consent of the governed. And so when you're issuing these lockdown orders and telling people to essentially quarantine ourselves, most of us comply. But the longer it goes and the less articulate you are in sharing with us the data that you're using to make these rulings, then you know what? The the lower the rates of compliance are going to be. This is a requirement for the consent of the governed. You have to give us this kind of data. It's not just some, you know, right winger on the radio you know, demanding to know what the numbers are because I want to use them as a weapon against uh, the governor. No, I want to know what the numbers are because I want to know if I should continue to consent. That's what this is about. And it seems like this is lost on a lot of people. And by the way, the new jobless numbers are out and this makes it even more important for you to be clear on the data. And this is particularly for North Carolina. So, number one, 
we've now got national unemployment of about 23%. This is, uh, they came out with the unemployment numbers today. It's another 3.8 million people filed for unemployment last week. And so now the cumulative total is about 30 million unemployment claims in six weeks. That puts the jobless rate at about 23% or so. And uh, the Great Depression, by comparison, had a jobless rate of 25%. So we are about to hit Great Depression levels of unemployment because I don't see that number going down. This is why states and counties, this is why they're, they're trying to reopen. They're trying to, they're trying to uh, fend off a Great Depression. It, it, it's not about, uh, uh, you know, well, I shouldn't say it's not about because there are some people who are definitely engaging in politics. I will get to that. Uh, the Gaston County example uh, is a pretty clear one, in my opinion, um, And so there are people that are playing politics, but every one of these 3.8 million unemployment claims that got filed last week represents a person. And that's a person who now uh, is having a mortgage to pay, having rent to pay, having uh, groceries to purchase, medical bills, power bills, water bills. Also, I mean, like life didn't stop. All the bills didn't stop just because people no longer are working. So now you've got 30 million people on unemployment and um, 61,000 deaths due to COVID-19. By the way, that total was what was predicted for next month. That was We were not supposed to hit that total uh, until May. So we're, all, so we're a little ahead of it on, on, on that front. 61,000 U.S. deaths attributable to COVID-19. And... I, I know what, there are people right now screaming at their iPhone or speakers, and they're saying, uh, oh, but Pete, um, all of the people that are, you know, all these deaths attributed to COVID-19, they're not really COVID-19 deaths. I'm going to get to that later on. I've got a piece by Eric Erickson uh, that he wrote about the the real numbers, and I'm going to get to that. Um, what else? Globally, 228,000 deaths due to COVID-19. Uh, also, in uh, across America, 31 states partially reopening because the federal guidance that said you had to be, you know, uh, or not you had to be, but they recommended states issue these stay-at-home orders. That guidance uh, was through the end of April, so today. And so beginning May, you got a lot of states that are like, okay, we're coming out from underneath this uh, this stay-at-home order, you know, we're, 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 ours are expiring too. We're not going to follow, um, uh, well, we are following the guidance, I guess they're saying. We're, we followed the guidance up till the end of the month, and now the end of the month is here, and we're, we're going to start reopening. 31 states. North Carolina is not one of them. This is causing problems. Um, by the way, in North Carolina, if you are unemployed, you are eligible for uh, up to like 950 bucks a week in unemployment. That is the state plus federal allocations, $950 a week. That's that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. I don't get to qualify for it, unfortunately for me. I don't get to take advantage of that. Uh, but uh, $950 per week, which, by the way, that does create a negative incentive for people to go back to work. Because if you can make four grand, I mean, what is four grand a month, Right. I mean, you're making almost fifty thousand dollars a year now. Forty, it's like forty-eight grand a year. I mean, it's pre-tax, of course, but still, like that's that's more than. I mean, that's like I don't know. Well, in North Carolina, I should say that's uh, forty-eight grand. That's almost like what a teacher makes. 
It's true, though. It's actually true. Uh, it's more than that median income uh, in, in the state. Anyway, uh, North Carolina unemployed eligible, $950 a week. However, here's the problem. The Department of Employment Services for the state is so overwhelmed with the claims, they have only paid out about 40% of all the claims. So people are trying to get the money, but they can't get the money. And so what happens in a system when you say you can't work, we're closing your business, it's quote non-essential, so we're shutting down your business, and you can't get unemployment. So you're telling people you can't work and we're not going to give you any money or our system is so overwhelmed we can't get you any money. What do you think is going to happen, right? They're not going to comply because you're telling them that their options are stay at home and starve to death or go and open up your business or go back to work and risk getting arrested and fined. Those are the options. People people will choose arrest and fines versus starving to death, generally speaking. And that seems to be what happened in the town of Apex, which is, um, I believe, in Wake County here. Apex, North Carolina, which is uh, really is the uh, the top of the North Carolina uh, cities. It's really the top uh, Apex is. I've, so I've heard at least. Sorry. You, I have to make the joke. Come on. Town called Apex. Anyway, Apex has a tattoo parlor. Um, I'm sure they've got more than one, but this one is, um, well, I'll I'll get to it here. It's in one of these stories that I've got. Um, North Carolina police arrest a man named Matthew Myers. Uh, He goes by the name Jax, J-A-X, Matthew Jax Myers. He's 38 years old, and he ran a tattoo parlor. Uh, And he was seen on video being led away from his shop by police in handcuffs after attempting to reopen his tattoo shop. He told the Raleigh News and Observer that he had no options left but to open back up because he needed the income. He said he knew that his act would get him charged, but under the governor's order, he is losing so much money that he fears he's going to lose his new house and fail to feed his three children as soon as June. He said neither he nor any other small business owners he knows have received any small business loans or federal paycheck protection program money. And he only got approval for insufficient unemployment payment after 13 attempts to sign up. So I'm not really, it's poorly written. I'm not really clear what they're saying there, that he only got approval for insufficient unemployment payment. So I guess, is he is he getting unemployment? But he's a business owner. If he's the business owner, I don't know if you get unemployment. He's saying it's insufficient, though, and it took him 13 times to sign up. But hey, you know what? At least you got signed up. Apex, here it is, Apex Tattoo Factory. It sits at the back of a small strip center on North Carolina 55, NC 55 Highway, um, near Apex, uh, or sorry, it says nearby Apex Wings and Hempco, Hemp CBD store. Both of them are allowed to be open. I'm assuming Apex Wings, uh, I mean, I assume it's a restaurant selling chicken wings, Apex Wings, right, which really are like the top of the wings market they really are the tops um anyway uh it's these two places are allowed to be open right because restaurants they can be open if they're you know doing social distancing they can do takeout no dine-in service right but they'll do delivery they'll do takeout so they can sell their wings and the cbd shop they're allowed to sell their cbd oil but this guy can't do his tattoo work right his wife says 
that her husband tried to get a small business loan and unemployment assistance, but he was not able to do so. And so he went ahead and opened the shop. Quote, he has spent years building up this business and for it to be taken away after being shut down for so long would be horrible, she said. This is, by the way, I'm reading from, uh, this is at redstate.com. It's the story by uh, Sister Tolja. We know her, Stacy Matthews is her name, Sister Tolja. She started blogging under that name, like, when blogs, like, originally came out. She was one of the first bloggers in America, and uh, she's based in North Carolina. And uh, uh, anyway, so now she writes for redstate.com. She says, last week... Uh, Governor Cooper announced a three-phase plan for reopening, which didn't really sound like a reopened plan at all. In fact, the plan basically puts restaurants, bars, and other small businesses in very tough positions, at least through the beginning of June, if not longer. Um, she also points out here that uh, other small business owners are going to end up defying the governor and his orders on this stuff because just, you know, you can't tell a business owner, stay closed. Uh, and, you know, go out of business, lose your house, um, don't feed your family, stand in line at the food bank. You know, you're telling somebody who had a successful business six weeks ago that they're now out of business, go get in the bread line. People are not going to comply, right? The consent of the governed, people will not put up with this. I'm not advocating civil disobedience. I'm not a spokesperson or uh, anything for that reopen NC Facebook group. I'm in the group. Uh, so I've seen what you know they say and all, by the way, one of the original leaders of the group walked away from it yesterday because uh, she says that the uh, her co-founder uh, who went and got arrested at the protest the other day, that um, apparently they've had a now disagreement over how this movement should behave when it goes and does their demonstrations. And uh, the one who uh, remains in place, Ashley Smith, I believe is her name, she um, is uh, uh, she wants more active measures, let's say. She wants more arrests and more, uh, well, well, I don't know if it's radicalism, but it's more uh, activity, right? She wants to be more activist. And um, the woman who... Uh, walked away from it said that's not she she's she doesn't like the direction that it's it's headed all right so anyway so uh stacy matthews at red state she says that the governor extended the state's stay-at-home order oh, by the way let me take this moment um make a uh an urgent plea much like we have been engaged in a campaign to change the uh the vocabulary uh and eliminate from the english language the term top vote getter when it comes to elections Right. We don't say we don't we try not ever to say top vote getter. I hate the term. It's a terrible term. Top vote getter. Um, and by the way, the word to replace that would be votainer. It's a great word. One of the listeners made it up several years ago, and uh, it's a great word. So we try to make we're trying to make it happen. Votainer. Anyway, let's try to do an abbreviation for the stay at home executive orders. And I humbly submit S-H-E-O, stay-at-home executive order. Now, I have seen some people, they do the S-A-H-E-O, S-A-H space E-O. I don't like that because generally speaking, like you don't capitalize or use the acronym or use the first letter in an acronym of, um, you know, words like of or the or at. You don't use them unless you have to, unless you need to make 
the acronym say something better or or look better or whatever and we don't need that so s-h-e-o shio s-h-e-o i i think it works stay home executive order these shios uh which uh then i had uh a fellow on twitter who was this that uh oh ben yeah, offered up uh, a helpful use of this S-H-E-O, Shio. Uh, you can call them then bull Shios. Right, yeah, I mean, that does, it, it has, it has uh, flexibility, if you will. It's versatile as, a, as an acronym. And speaking of versatility, do you need versatility on your business website? Maybe you, maybe you had a business website set up before COVID-19 came around. And it was adequate, and it was all you needed. It did everything you needed it to do, but now everything moved online, and you realize, oh my gosh, our website doesn't work very well. Well, uh, call my friend, Schaefer Smith, and uh, he will take care of your web issues for you, okay? He does it all. Schaefer Smith Design, he helps you with logos, graphics, photos, an online store. He can set it all up for you. You can do search engine optimization, website maintenance, the security side of things for professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs. Schaefer Smith Design. Make your site look professional. Make it user-friendly. Make it user-friendly for your customers and also you. So you can go in there and manipulate and do stuff, whatever you need to do with your website. He empowers you to run your website. Uh, He can do as much or as little as you need. SchaeferSmith.com is his website. Make your site professional. SchaeferSmith.com. SchaeferSmith.com. Stacy Matthews at Red State, talking about Governor Cooper's Shio, said um, that this uh, phase one would only begin after May 8th, and it assumes North Carolina continues to flatten the curve. But with the standards on reopening continuing to evolve shall we say expect the reopen movement to grow and for more protesters and small business owners to be arrested yeah the consent of the governed that apex guy uh, myers the apex tattoo factory owner Jax myers he feared his business would die and he would be unable to pay for his mortgage that's why he decided to open and how did the cops show up when he was reopening. How did that happen? Well, let's take a look at this other side of the story, shall we? Because there is another side to this story or another angle to this story, okay? He opens his doors and shortly thereafter, cops show up. How does that happen? Apex police had gotten complaints from residents because he had told people on social media that he was going to reopen. That's how cops knew. So, This guy goes on social media telling everybody, I'm reopening. People then call the cops. He's reopening. He's in violation. We've all become the... What was the guy's name from uh, Sound of Music? Rolf, right? Wasn't it his name? Rolf? The one that uh, one of the daughters was in love with. He became a Nazi brown shirt and, you know, blew the whistle and alerted all the guards that the family was trying to escape. Yeah, Rolf. We've all become Rolfs, right? Well, not all of us. Um, Meyer says, quote, I respect the Apex Police Department, and it's probably with the heaviest of heart of all that this has to happen in Apex, that I have to be the one that's uh, the first be swatted. <laughs> in a statement, and so, okay, let me, let me just finish. This is, by the way, from uh, W-R-A-L. 
In a statement, police said that they consulted the Wake County District Attorney's Office before charging Myers with violating emergency prohibitions and restrictions, North Carolina General Statute, blah, blah, blah. Um, He's looking at now a $1,000 fine and a maximum penalty of 60 days in jail if convicted. Police transported him to the magistrate's office at the Wake County Jail where bond was set. Uh, Myers and his wife, Amber, told WRAL that his goal was to make a statement he also rejected the idea that he's a criminal. He said, quote, I am a law-abiding citizen. I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> well, okay, hang on a second. You may have been a law-abiding citizen until this act, which is against the law, right? Because the law was the executive order, which you violated, and that's why you got arrested. So just to be clear here, like that's law-abiding doesn't mean breaking the law in this instance. And he says, I've done nothing wrong. Well, uh, okay. I understand maybe that's uh, a subjective ethical right versus wrong moral question. But legally speaking, you violated the law. Now, here's the other thing. Amber, his wife, said she supported the Reopen NC movement, a movement against Cooper's stay-at-home order, the SHEO, if you will. She said she and her husband have been attending the rallies in downtown Raleigh. So this couple, they are part of the Reopen NC movement. They've attended the rallies, and let's be clear, like they're, they live in Wake County, so it's easy for them to go on down there and be part of this if they so choose. It's much easier than you know somebody who lives you know three or four hours away driving to the Capitol to protest. Uh, so they participated in these protests, but they said uh, the goal was to make a statement. So let's examine this, right? Did they make that statement? I think so, right? He's getting a lot of coverage. Do you think he's going do you think he's going to have more business or less business after he's allowed to reopen if he is able to, you know, like economically speaking, if he's not out of business, if he is able to eventually reopen, do you think this helps? If he gets fined the $1000, was that a marketing campaign worth its spend? I think so. Seriously, I think so. And I'm not knocking him for this, right? Sometimes the right thing to do is also the right thing to do for your business, right? <laughs> so if, right, because he's going to get a lot of attention. This is what we call in the biz earned media. He earned this media. He earned the coverage rather than just pay for it. He just, he earned it. So he went out and he got coverage and he's taking a stand. He's right. Standing up for something he believes in, willing to get arrested for it in an act of civil disobedience, defying uh, an executive order that with which he disagrees. And it just so happens that it might help him with his business afterwards. It might help him get more clients because if I were looking to get a tattoo, which I'm not, but if I were looking to get a tattoo and I lived in Wake County, I might very well go patronize his business because I believe, you know, or agree with what he did. Now, if I disagree, obviously I would not go and uh, patronize his business. So if, it, if you're wondering why the cops were able uh, to make the arrest and how uh, all of the cameras, the TV cameras were there, because they were. There were a bunch of news outlets that were there. Uh, so, yes, they were there because he wanted to make a statement and statement made. And this is the kind of thing then that others will replicate. Others are going to emulate this. Gaston County, for example. County Commissioner uh, Tracy Philbeck. He's actually the chairman of the Gaston County Board of Commissioners. Um, he announced his county needs to reopen for business and that the governor's approach is not working for them and the county will support reopening of businesses and churches. So the county is going to support the reopening of businesses and churches. 
Tracy Philbeck made this announcement during a press conference yesterday um, saying that the one-size-fits-all approach that Governor Cooper continues to use for this crisis is doing more harm than good in Gaston County. Uh, The statement by Gaston County was the, quote, big announcement, which was expected to come during the reopen NC protest on April 28th, but it got pushed back a day. Okay, so the Gaston County commissioners were trying to time their big announcement message... (laughs) with the reopen NC demonstration on Tuesday morning, but it had to get pushed back. I, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if it had anything to do with the fact that this thing is legally worthless. As a st- It's just a statement that says, we stand with you, we agree with you, but we can't do anything about it. That's essentially what this order was, and it created a lot of confusion. Yesterday, uh, there was a lot of confusion about what the heck Gaston County did or did not do. And if you own a business in Gaston County, you are not done any favors by the county commissioners down there. Okay. This story is from AP Dillon, our friend AP at the uh, North State Journal, NS Journal on, uh, sorry, NSJonline.com is the website, NSJ Online. And um, she says that the statement by Gaston County. Uh, included this. Uh, Our goal was to make sure our hospital system was not overwhelmed, Philbeck said, and we've done that. Why punish us for being successful in flattening the curve when a strict shio no longer makes sense for our county? Okay, to be fair, he did not say shio. I just said shio. He said stay-at-home order. But shio. Uh, At the press conference, Philbeck rolled out the Gaston Promise, which states county support for the reopening of businesses and houses of worship, provided that they adhere to strict social distancing practices, follow all cleaning and disinfection requirements, and abide by all maximum capacity restrictions required by local and state authorities, like occupancy uh, rules. So what exactly are you saying then? The Gaston Promise, Dylan writes, it stops short of opening up the majority of businesses, and remind citizens, quote, large gatherings, banquets, and concerts continue to be restricted, and that restrictions on long-term care facilities and nursing homes are all, uh, quote, very much in place. <laughs> okay, so everything is still in place. The Gaston Promise also directs businesses like salons and nail, uh, nail parlors and uh, related services governed by licensing boards like, oh, tattoo shops, Um Uh, that uh, if you're governed by these licensing boards at the state level to consult with their respective boards. And then during this press conference, commissioners said that businesses uh, complying with this stuff can go ahead and open, which then prompted the governor's office to say, no, you can't. It prompted uh, the uh, towns in Gaston County to say, no, you can't reopen. Um, We're not advising anybody to do anything other than the state order. We are all still operating under the executive order by the governor. Now, other states like Colorado, Georgia, South Carolina, they've all begun reopening and more states are starting to uh, roll out their own plans. Philbeck said um, in a letter to the governor earlier this month, he said that the counties should be the ones to decide when to reopen. He said, in short, I believe counties can monitor and deal with the situation at the local level more effectively than the state can. In a statement released by the governor, they said, yeah, Governor Cooper said, 
this order's only effect is to create confusion during a public health emergency, which is dangerous. The Gaston County order itself says that the statewide SHIO remains in effect and state leaders urge people to continue following it. So the the Gaston proclamation, the or the order or the the the, the Gaston promise, like that itself says that the governor's statewide order remains in effect. So what is the point of all of this? The point is to tell voters we're with you. We don't agree with Governor Cooper. We don't agree with that Democrat in the governor's mansion. That's my take on it. Okay, this smacks of pure politics. Now, you can say, as I just said earlier, sometimes the right thing to do is the right politics, right? Sometimes those things align. Sometimes they do not. I don't think this is one of those cases. You could have you could have done this without some sort of um, without some sort of a mechanism that creates a lot of confusion, because what they ended up doing was they put the cops right in the middle of this, because if you're like Gaston police, what do you do? Gaston police had to come out and say, look, we're, we're still arresting people. Like if you try to open up your businesses in violation of the Shio, if you try to violate the Shio, then we're going to arrest you because we have to enforce the law, right? Gaston County later clarified their stance. So they had to, they had to walk this back. Um, saying that uh, Cooper staff has rightly pointed out that the state order supersedes the county order. Quote, from a function standpoint, Gaston County government will continue to follow all state laws, including Governor Cooper's executive order. <laughs> at, well, at no point would county leadership ask its staff or county residents to break the law. <laughs> well, what are we doing this for then? What is all this about? No, they 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 wanted to time this thing with the reopen NC protest, right? They wanted to to stand in solidarity with the reopen NC. Every and this is what House Speaker Tim Moore was talking about, and he's trying to avoid this, trying to minimize like the 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 politics involved in this crisis management. It's going to get nastier because right now, I think what what I'm seeing is. People trying to stake out some ground that they think they're going to be able to defend in another month, right? They want to be the first ones out the door to say, we should reopen, 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 reopen. And you just keep saying it because eventually we will. And at that point, then you can say we should have reopened earlier. And that that argument has the benefit of, of being unprovable, right? Because you don't know what would have happened had you did uh, had, yeah, had you did open, right? Like that earlier, that you, you don't know. So you can say reopen right now and just politically reopen right now, reopen right now. And then finally the governor reopens and you're like, thank God he finally listened to us. And if he had done it earlier, uh, it would have saved more jobs and more more lives and it would have been better and he should have listened to us, which is why you should vote him out, right? So you have a lot of uh, elected officials trying to make this argument, um, but you don't want to go too far with it because you don't want to be seen as undermining, um, you know, the governor while he's trying to manage a public health crisis. Because then you get this blowback, um, right? Which is exactly what Cooper did when he said, you know, that your order creates confusion during a public health emergency, which is dangerous. So now the governor can come back and accuse you of trying to get people killed or uh, through your 
buffoonery and uh, you know politicizing it, uh, now you're getting people killed. You're acting dangerously. Um, the governor, meanwhile, he's in this position where he doesn't want to be seen as caving or following the lead of uh, these Republicans who are demanding that everything get reopened earlier. At some point, you know, he has to reopen. And at some point, he has to then say, like, we did this for my reasons, not because I'm bowing to your pressure, right? So he's got to make that clear. And the longer it goes, um, I think it, it, it's going to make him look like, like, if he does it, I mean, honestly, like, if, if it comes to May 8th, and he opens, he starts phase one, I'd be surprised. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he goes earlier than that. I, I doubt that. But now I think right now they're just, they're trying to hang on till May 8th. I think they're trying to hang on to May 8th. I think he would prefer to push it out longer, but I don't know. It just seems like, because looking at the data they're looking at, I don't know how you could reopen or, or start uh, phase one uh, on May 8th, given the data that they've cited. So... In a Facebook Live town hall Wednesday evening, Tracy Philbeck, this Gaston County Commission chairman, doubled down on the county's decision. That's one of those terms, double down. If I never see that in print in a news story again, it might be too soon. Double down, saying there's no confusion over the order, saying, quote, that document told you your commissioners would stand with you no matter where your business is in opening. That doesn't mean the governor wouldn't have the state police arrest you. I can't stop that. Well, it's not the state police. It's Gaston PD, right? <laughs> it's the sheriff's office. He says, I can't stop that. That doesn't mean that there uh, wouldn't be a consequence. But here's what I would do. Let me know, and I'll be the first one arrested. Philbeck stood by his original statements despite Cooper's con condemnation. Meanwhile, the mayors of 12 Gaston County municipalities went public and emphasized that businesses and residents of Gaston County are, in fact, still required to comply. What it, so what, what is this? You know, all I take this as, I mean, strip away all of the posturing and politics and stuff. What is this to me? I see this as shot across the bow. That's what this is. This is the, the just like the guy's arrest. And you can say, well, he did it for marketing. He did it for, you know, make a statement in politics and, you know, or true believer in the cause, or he did it at a necessity or a combination of all of the above. But at the end of the day, these are the first cracks, right? These are the shots across the bow. This is change is coming. You're not going to be able uh, to keep these orders in place because you're losing the consent of the governed. That's always been what our society is about, and it doesn't require 100% buy-in. This is one of the, I think this is one of the things people assume, like, oh, you know, uh, if, we just, um, if we just have the majority, then that's enough, and then everybody buys into this concept. No, you can have a minority in the society that does not consent to, to be governed, and the society can't function correctly. You basically need the vast majority of people on board and consent to the governing structure. Because if you have a sizable enough minority in that society, then it won't work. Gaston County Police Chief Joseph Ramey told WCNC that the department is required to enforce Governor Cooper's order as officers are sworn to uphold North Carolina laws. During a Facebook town hall, Commissioner Philbick said, I'm willing to take a stand to defy the governor's order because I believe it's unconstitutional. But as it stands, all residents and business owners in Gaston County are still expected to follow the statewide SHEO 
as put in place by Governor Cooper. All right, so this commissioner disagrees with the constitutionality of the Shio, as did the tattoo artist in Apex. Okay? Warning shots. That's what's occurring. As the call, and, and it, it does not require, by the way, neither one of these stories requires me to say, I agree wholeheartedly with this person over that person. I, because honestly, like I, I see the, I see the value and necessity in uh, public health executive orders. I also uh, uh, see the argument and agree with, to, uh, to you know, some extent that uh, some of the stuff is constitutionally suspect. Now, if you suspect that your house is not going to get sold because of all of this COVID madness, uh, let me disabuse you of that notion. Houses are actually selling. It's true. Houses are selling, uh, especially if they are houses that are listed by Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, because just like before COVID-19 arrived, uh, she outsells like 99% of all the real estate agents in North Carolina. She is also the official Homes for Heroes agent in Asheville, which is a national program that selects one agent per market uh, to be their representative, and it gives buyers and sellers 25% back from realtor commissions, uh, and it's available, this program is available to police officers, firefighters, educators, members of the military, so veterans, active duty, and retired, as well as healthcare professionals. And Rowena and her team have already given back about $800,000 to local folks. Their goal is $1 million. So buying or selling, put her and her team to work for you, the only agents that I would call Rowena Patton and the All-Star Powerhouse team, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com is the website, Mountain homehunt.com and start packing craven county um they are also uh calling on the governor to give them more power this is w-i-t-n they say uh they want to begin reopening the state uh they want uh this is the craven county board of commissioners uh they sent a letter to the governor asking him to allow them to begin reopening the county due to their relatively low case numbers craven county has 38 confirmed cases of covid19 four deaths 28 individuals have recovered there have been no new cases reported in the county since friday so almost one week amy cook at the john locke foundation she is uh, actually the new ceo of the john locke foundation uh, she's the publisher of the carolina journal and uh, she wrote a piece uh, about a week ago And uh, this is titled, Trusting Healthy North Carolinians to Choose About Reopening Our Economy. She says that the professional left's work equals death argument is an irresponsible misrepresentation of the movement to reopen North Carolina's economy. The work equals death argument appears to be designed to scare or shame North Carolinians into staying home in perpetuity, creating economic insecurity to push a left-wing agenda that includes everything from identity politics to global government-dictated healthcare schemes. This is one of the pieces of evidence that fuels uh, a lot of uh, paranoia or skepticism, um, depending on what who you're talking to and and what topic. But uh, when you start seeing these proposals getting thrown around by leftists, like, hey, you know what we should really do in this uh, pandemic is uh, we should just go ahead and uh, socialize medicine. That's really what this calls for. When you see people start saying, oh, you know, what this really calls for is adoption of all of our uh, prior plans for social uh, socialism. 
that's what we really need right now. It it gets everybody's on the right. It gets our antenna going because um, it's amazing that when times are good, your solution is more government, more taxes, more socialism. And when then times are bad, your solution is also more government, more taxes, <laughs> more socialism. Uh, so we are very aware that y'all like to use these crises as opportunities to uh, to expand GovCo. And uh, that it adds fuel to the fire. Okay, she says, we know there's going to be risks in reopening, but weigh them against the cost of keeping our state shut down. As of this writing, she says, more than 630,000 North Carolinians have filed unemployment claims using um, a formula of, you know, if you you basically compare the number of people out of work to the number of confirmed cases, it's about 100 jobs lost per case. Right. For every case of COVID-19 in this state, there are 100 people who lost their jobs. Right. That that is a metric that should be taken into account without facing accusations that you're trying to kill people. Oh, so what? That person should just die then? No, I'm not saying that person should die. But if you are talking about costs and benefits and risk assessment, you have to include all the costs and benefits and risks. St. Louis Federal Reserve leader James Bullard said, quote, what will happen in the second quarter won't be comparable to anything we have seen in U.S. macroeconomic history. In other words, this is going to be worse than the Great Depression, is what he's saying. To add insult to economic injury, decisions about shutting down and reopening are being made based on models with possibly flawed assumptions. And we're not even allowed to see the models. A recent column in the Wall Street Journal from a molecular biologist named Andrew Bogan suggests that new data shows the coronavirus may not be as deadly as originally thought. It seems we required far less data to shut down our economy than to reopen it. This is this right here is an interesting uh, comparison. Because when the initial models came out and then people were like, whoa, 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 is that a real legitimate model and stuff? But it, the models were so bad, right? It scared so many people, and this was a brand new virus, and I understand everybody is scared. It's something new. We don't know what it is, and it seems to be killing people. And then you get these videos coming out of China where people are, like, uh, ramming through police barriers trying to get out of a quarantined city of, like, 10 million people, like the size of North Carolina, right? It's a big city. You know, Wuhan's a big place, um, and or a lot of people, I should say that they just shut down, welded people in their apartments so they couldn't break quarantine, that kind of stuff, because that's how the Chinese roll. Um, so we looked at all of that stuff and said, we've got to lock everything down. All right, but now when new data starts coming out, we're not as quick to reverse course, right? And, and this is one of my biggest beefs in all of this, is that there are a lot of people who apparently staked out positions very early on and are now afraid that if they move off of those positions, they're going to be seen as, I don't know what, like, oh, I don't want to be wrong on this. Well, I projected that there would be, you know, a million deaths, so there have to be a million deaths. Or I projected that this would be no worse than the flu, and so, by golly, it can't be worse than the flu. I don't understand why people get entrenched in these predictions. I'm not. I'm not vested in any particular outcome. I'm not rooting for the virus. That's that, that's that's it. Like, I want uh, to get out from under the stay-at-home orders, the Shio. I want to be out from under the Shio. And 
Uh, I am gravely concerned about the economic impact that this is having. It will devastate my generation and the and the the gen uh, Gen X, Gen Y, the millennials, uh, and generations to come the amount of money that we're borrowing uh, all of these concerns that i've had before covid financially you know the economics of it they still exist and even it's now even worse and i don't know how we recover from it these are my concerns my concerns are about the food supply breaking down my concerns about civilization breaking down society breaking down those are my concerns right I don't know what to make of the data that's coming out, especially from the state, because they're not giving it to us. But uh, I don't know what to make of the data. I can't make predictions on how many people are going to die. I'm just going to tell you that the death count right now in America is about 61,000. That's more than the flu. So I don't know. Does that make it worse than the flu? Is there, you know, people are corrupting the numbers. We can't trust the numbers. Like all of those other questions, I do not know the answer to. All I'm telling you is that these are the numbers that I have, and I'm trying to make uh, as best of an assessment based on the data that I do have. She said, this is uh, Amy Cook. Uh, she's the CEO of the John Locke Foundation, writing at the Carolina Journal. She says, I am a little leery of the lone finger on our economic dimmer switch. It's too susceptible to the work equals death argument. She's exactly right about this. This is another concern I have because the the governor getting a little bit of taste of the power and it's like, oh, we can't flip on the economy like a light switch. It's more like a dimmer switch, which, by the way, was a talking point that Democrats crafted in order to, you know, uh, to sell this slow reopening rather than on off. It's, it's like a dimmer switch. Yeah, but it's one guy with his finger on the switch. And that's not what our system is, because that's a system that is really susceptible, as she says, to the work equals death argument. And when that argument is being made by leftists and they've got the ear of the guy with his finger on the switch, because they do in this state, that's concerning to me. That's really concerning to me. But, you know, all of these things that I've just expressed, like I've been taking steps and measures for years to be prepared. Are you? Have you been? If you haven't and you need some advice, send a text message to Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Here's his number, 565-2497, 565-2497. Send him a text, get some advice on prepping for emergencies, for disasters. What what gear do you need? Where do you get it? He's got a website at oldgrouch.com. He's got the uh, uh, the store on Main Street in downtown Clyde, Old Grouch's Military Surplus, uh, and they've got everything in there. Uh, it's just so much stuff. It's all real military surplus as well. It's a good mix of modern and vintage items, and uh, if you are looking for something specifically and can't find it, send a text to Tim. He could find it for you. He's great at this. 565-2497, his website, oldgrouch.com, oldgrouch.com. All right, finally, Eric Erickson has a piece at, uh, I believe his website is called The Resurgent, and uh, he says that the New York Times has a report that we've undercounted the death toll by maybe 40,000. Financial Times says we may have missed the global death toll by like 60% of the cases. Also, there's a growing belief among a lot of people that the death toll is not only overblown, but the virus is far more common and widespread than believed. The second part of this comes from the rush of press reports about antibody studies, and to be sure, it appears the virus is more widespread and more people have it. I can give you all the data, but it's on you whether you believe it. That's what Eric Erickson says, and I agree. He says we should acknowledge that Congress has provided a financial incentive for hospitals to overinflate deaths from COVID-19 because they tied money to COVID treatment, 
And that data point has allowed people to take comfort in the idea that all the deaths are exaggerated and things are not so bad. Therefore, their prior belief that we never should have sheltered in place can all be confirmed. Yay, I was right. Right? This is it. I had a prior belief we shouldn't do this. And so every piece of data that supports that, I'm going to uh, I'm going to take comfort in. The data is consistent across countries and cities that there are huge spikes in deaths in areas plagued by the virus, much more so than normal and much outside the bounds of normal ranges for strokes and heart attacks in those areas. This reasonably does suggest COVID-19 is killing people at home. On top of that, we're not making apples to apples comparisons in most things, including flu deaths. In the U.S., the flu and pneumonia deaths are counted based on confirmed tests and presumed cases. COVID-19 cases right now, as reported by the CDC, only includes confirmed positive cases. That's all they include at the CDC level right now. So there will be a time when they start adding in the presumed cases. You're going to see those numbers go up. And then, of course, people will say, you can't believe it. They're padding the stats. (laughs) He says, it's silly to think there's a grand global conspiracy to rig this data. And it's remarkable that globally we are seeing very similar rates of hospitalization and death. Maybe, just maybe, this virus is bad. Maybe there are some cases that are mischaracterized and maybe some of the deaths are exaggerated. But right now, COVID-19 is killing people at rate orders of magnitude higher than even a bad flu. Even if the numbers dropped based on error or fabrication, they would have to drop massively to get down to flu rates just based on positive tests. And that, again, is something people are missing as they clutch the pearls of antibody testing as proof that the virus is massively widespread. Again, all I can do is give you the data, he says. I can't make you believe it. Believe this. I thank you very much for your support of the program. Thank you very much. Check out all of the links in the description on the podcast. We'll talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.